0: Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush.
1: And back for another episode of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with all of the guys, uh, John and Roger, Neil, myself, Bob. Hey, guys, how are you? Doing
2: great, Great, Bob. How are you?
1: Oh, good. Always uh, great catching up. Well, let's see. Here we go. The midterms are, what, about uh, six weeks away or so, a little bit less than that. And these are very critical midterms. And we're going to talk about a lot of different aspects of the midterm elections uh, and and what's going to happen and how big this is. Now, I know that it seems like lately every election we say, oh, this is huge. This is a big election. This is really big. It's because I think that they are. And so now we're coming up on these midterms. And guys, I would argue that these midterm elections really are really really big and important because we have now seen the Democratic Party of today is not the Democratic Party of your parents let alone your grandparents it's not even the Democratic Party of 10 years ago the Democratic Party today is so uh, so consumed with their their power and using it to go after their political enemies we're watching the Department of Justice and the FBI, before our very eyes being weaponized against political opponents of the Democrats. These are things that I believe the Democrats need to be put in check. And if they're not, then I can't imagine what's going to happen over the course of the next couple of years. So to me, I think it's very critical that Republicans take back at least the House Uh, and I would love it to be the Senate, and therefore at least we can have some good old-fashioned gridlock, hopefully, for the next couple of years until maybe we get a Republican in the White House. And, And put the brakes a little bit, on the weaponizing of the political opponents and turning the FBI into the KGB here in America. So to me, that's the significance that I see in this midterm. But let's kind of go around the table first of all and see how big of a deal do you think this midterm is? What's really at stake? And maybe, maybe Neil, if we could start with you, Neil Boron, of course. Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. What do you think is at stake and how big is this midterm election overall?
3: Well, I think it's huge because I think it's a referendum on the Biden presidency, ultimately. I'm, I think that there's an awful lot of people, even those who voted for Joe Biden, probably even some of the, whatever they call them, evangelicals for Biden kind of people who are having second thoughts, seeing where the the country's gone. I mean, it really has not been a democratic presidency. It's been a progressive liberal presidency. And, you know, the influence of groups like the Squad in the Congress and others, I mean, have really raise the hair on the back of the neck of many uh, mainstream voters in the United States. And clearly the Democratic Party today is not the Democratic Party of our fathers and or grandfathers. Right. It's It seriously isn't. So I think it's a huge referendum on the Biden administration overall, based on a variety of different things, including the economy and crime and other things, and abortion, obviously.
1: Right. Uh, Roger Marsh, uh, uh, the bottom line from the People's Republic of California, Uh, your take in a general overview sense of how significant the midterms are uh, this year?
2: One of the more significant elections we've seen in quite some time. Uh, I think, to Deal's point about the evangelicals for Biden uh, stunt that happened during the 2020 election. Uh, there's got to be a huge amount of buyer's remorse going on right now in that community. And I know there are a lot of people who are frustrated with Donald Trump. They didn't like the rhetoric, et cetera, et cetera. If you, if you put personalities over politics and position, then you're going to vote that way. I mean, there's there's no question about it. And I'm sure that there's kind of a silent majority of people who voted in that direction who are now having second thoughts. Like, so uh, is this a referendum on Biden? Well, of course, the midterm election is always a referendum on the president. And we've seen historically, you know, with 2018, Referendum on Trump, the House flips back to Democrats, uh, 2010, you know, 1994. I mean, there's a history of this. So it, it does look like for the conservative side of the equation that things are on our side in terms of the House flipping and possibly the Senate kind of redirecting that uh, uh, misplaced anger that President Trump had back in the 2020 election, telling people not to vote in Georgia because it's all fixed, and then you wind up with two whacked out Democrat senators there. Uh, hopefully one of those seats will get corrected. But, you know, in terms of the importance of this election, that that's part of the equation is getting better conservative and more constitutionally based candidates. Second part, then, is what are they going to do once they're in office? And I think that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of people on the conservative side are holding their collective breath and saying, "Okay, we've got a majority now. Well, it's going to be a stalemate for two years because there's a Republican majority in the House, Republican majority in the Senate and a Democrat in the White House is going to veto everything that comes his way. But I, I, th- I think the larger issue that will drive people to the polls is I'm going to vote for someone who's going to correct the mess, who's actually going to do something, not just switch this, the flip, flip the switch from blue to red. Right.
1: Uh, John, John Rush, of course, uh, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, your take, John, on the significance of this midterm election overall. How big is it? What's, at its, what's really at stake here? And then we'll get into, after that, we'll get into some of the, the details of what does the dog do if they do catch this car. Mm-hmm. But uh, how big overall is this election?
4: Big. And I would say in our lifetime, probably one of the largest. And I know we say that, all, you know. Like you said a moment ago, we talk about that with every election. And every election is big. Every election is important. We're, We're a republic. These are important things. People need to get out and vote and have a voice. It's how our system works, and people need to not forget that and not think their vote doesn't count because the reality is Every vote counts, and you need to get out and vote and participate because there's that old saying you may not care about politics, but it sure cares about you. So at the end of the day, it does matter whether you're a Christian, non Christian, doesn't make any difference. Everything that goes on there has an impact upon you. We've seen that over these last two years. I appreciate what. Neil and Roger both have said. I think this is a a check and balance, if you would, for the Biden administration. And really, what they've done as a Democrat party is literally who they are. What they did these last two years was really just show exactly what they've been wanting to do for many, many years, in my opinion. They finally just got enough power to where they did it. And back to Roger, what he said a moment ago, as far as the stalemate. You know what, guys? I've been wanting to say this for years. I don't want to reach across the aisle. I don't care if we get along when it comes to politics. I don't want anything happening. A vote that goes nowhere and a bill that doesn't pass, in my opinion, is a good thing for the American public. I don't care if they get along. I want things to stop, and I don't want any new laws. I don't want any new spending. I want them to stop, and the best way to do that is with a stalemate.
1: You know what? Look, I'm with you, John. I, that's why I'm like, hey, let's have some gridlock for the next couple of years, yes. okay? I'd rather go ahead. Gridlock is not a bad thing. It's a good uh, thing. By, right. And Agreed. bipartisanship is not a bad thing, okay? I'm sorry. Bipartisanship is not a good thing unless you get the wrong side. To agree with you, okay, That's right. but I don't. I don't want bipartisanship if it means compromising principles and passing a bunch of new bills that uh, that are ungodly bills and bad for America. So, mm-hmm. and by uh, the way, right.
4: folks, ungodly bills means an additional ten trillion dollars in spending that is now pushed us up to almost thirty-two trillion yeah, dollars. Yeah, we're over thirty. That is over folks.
1: I know we're over thirty-one trillion now. Exactly, and we're not going to so. Oh, I could not agree more. All right. Let's do this because next question becomes, what do the Republicans do if they take over the House, which is looking more likely that they'll take over the House, less likely the Senate, but it's possible? uh, What do they do with that? Do they go ahead and say, oh, let's just move on, let's try to get on? Or do they say, no, we're going to hold some congressional investigations. We got some stuff to dig into and we got some people to hold accountable. I believe that is the thing to do, but we're going to talk about that in just a moment. First, though, as we go through this podcast today, when you listen to this podcast, you always hear us talking about preborn and stopping abortions, saving babies' lives. And it's you folks in the audience listening to us that can literally stop abortions with a few dollars. Here's how it works. Preborn partners with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country, and they show ultrasound images of unborn babies to those expectant moms. And those expectant moms let their baby live 80% of the time statistically when they see an ultrasound image. So we got to get these images in front of the moms, but it takes money to do that. On average, $28 saves the life of one baby. That's right, 28 bucks is the average cost to stop one abortion through preborn? So we ask all of you in the audience right now, will you donate $280 one time to save 10 babies' lives? If you could do $2,800 and save 100 babies' lives, great. But we're asking everybody, can you do at least $280 one time, save 10 babies' lives? It's a tax write-off for you. And remember, 100% of your money goes straight to funding ultrasounds, not a penny for overhead. This is pre-born, folks. This is what they do. They've been around for a long time. And just to give you an idea, last year, 2021, they stopped nearly 44,000 abortions. And along the way, there were just under 8,000 decisions for Jesus Christ. Is that worth $280 to you? So here's how you do it. Go online right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the preborn tab and you can donate right there online. Or you can donate over the phone. They answer the phones twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Call right now 850 baby. But don't eat now if you would. Okay, let's save some babies' lives as we continue this national Crawford Roundtable podcast talking about the midterms, the impact of this. And so, guys, let's uh, let's talk about what the Republicans should do if the you know as I say, if the dog catches the car. Now, what do you do with it? All right. Here's my thinking on this, and I don't want to go around the table. Uh, I do believe that the Republicans must, must, must hold congressional investigation hearings and call, subpoena a bunch of people to come in under oath and answer for the for their actions. And one of the places that I would start – is a Department of Justice. Now, I'm not talking about tit-for-tat. I'm not talking about getting revenge or anything like that. I'm talking about holding the Department of Justice accountable because, let's face it, uh, you've got uh, uh, two standards of justice right now that's being operated. On one hand, you have uh, uh, Barack Obama. Most people don't even know this. Some of you guys might not even know this. PJ Media just came out and put out a report last week they decided to go to the Obama Foundation website. And they were trolling through the Obama Foundation website. And sure enough, they came across a letter that's actually posted on the website. And the letter is from them to the National Archives. And this letter was dated September eleventh, two thousand and 2018, one and a half years after Barack Obama left office. And in that letter, They state that the Obama Foundation is still, at that time, a year and a half after he left office, holding on to classified documents that the National Archives believes that they're supposed to be holding, not Obama. And so the Obama Foundation agreed, we will transfer $3.3 million to you guys at National Archives to cover the cost of you moving these classified documents to a secured National Archives approved location instead of the empty furniture warehouse that we're currently storing them in now they also put in there that there's a four-year extension a lease extension so we're now talking about five and a half years after obama left office he is still holding on to classified documents that the national archives says he's not supposed to hold on to was there any kind of fbi raid on barack obama and michelle obama's home no of course not Donald Trump is in a classified documents dispute. We got 30 FBI agents armed in a raid of Mar-a-Lago going through the drawers and closets of his teenage son, his wife, and everybody else. You have stuff like that. You have the the Planned Parenthood worker that got pushed by a pro-lifer, Matt Houck. Matt Houck Houck was with his 12-year-old son, sidewalk counseling outside Planned Parenthood, and this Planned Parenthood Escort worker comes up, some 72 year old guy gets in the face of Matt Houck's 12 year old son, starts yelling at him, cussing him out. Matt Hout pushes him away from his son. The man falls down, skins his arm. It requires one band aid. What happened? Uh, the local police, oh, there's no charges here. Nothing, they dropped it. Local DA, there's no charges here. Nothing to, to, to do with this. Uh, the man tried to sue. Matt Houck and a federal judge. Oh, there's nothing to see here. Dismiss the case. Merrick Garland says we're going to make a federal case out of this. Uh, It's violating the CARE Act. And now what do they do? They order him charged with a crime. He's facing 11 years in prison. But rather than allowing him to turn himself in, 25 armed FBI agents stormed his home, pre-dawn raid, went inside the home, pointed guns at his head, arrested him in front of his seven screaming and crying hysterical children. Uh, This kind of stuff has got to stop. And I would argue, guys— that they need to be held accountable for this. We cannot have America turning into this kind of a country. All right, I know that that's kind of a long rant. There are a lot more examples I could give of this, but I don't see this as revenge. I see this as we must stop this from, uh, from becoming a permanent way of doing business in American politics. Uh, let's go around the table. John. John Rush, your thoughts.
4: You are spot on on all of that. These guys not only need to be held accountable, but I think some folks need to be not only held accountable, Bob, but probably need to be held accountable in a way to where uh, there's some prison time for some of these folks. What's going on right now, we talked about this several weeks ago, this likens back to 1929 Germany with the things that they are doing. And if we allow this to continue to go on it will do nothing but grow and get worse. We have got to bring it back in check. If we take control of the House, which I believe we will this November, we have got to bring some of these investigations in. We've got to bring this to light. And by the way, do it in a real way. Not this kangaroo court nonsense that's been going on with with Trump and all this other nonsense that they've been looking at with January 6th and so on, but some real solid investigations that have some meaning and some accountability at the end.
1: That's right. Uh, Roger Marsh, uh, your thoughts. I mean, the examples that I gave... Can I also remind everybody, and and you too, Roger, that uh, over the last four months, there have been not one, not two, but over 100 attacks of violence against pro-life centers, pro-life organizations, and churches, including vandalism, violent attacks, uh, fire bombings. This liberal left-wing pro-abortion group, Jane's Revenge, has already claimed credit for 18 of them openly yet to this day there's not one arrest and not one charge made against anyone for all of these however there was 3 months ago one countum one planned parenthood clinic in the whole country that was attacked uh, this was in Kalamazoo Michigan you had uh, a fire that was set in a bush outside the planned parenthood clinic this was done after hours no employees were there it was still wrong whoever did it but The Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, swooped in with an all-of-government investigation to get to the bottom of who set that fire. It took them four days. They found the person. They arrested him. He's facing now up to 30 years in prison. That's how serious they are when you set a fire outside of a Planned Parenthood clinic, yet there's been over 100 examples of this the other way. Not one arrest, not one indictment. Roger, seriously, this is the kind we would be talking about. This going on in the old Soviet Union, or in China, or in North Korea, or in Iran, and it's actually happening here in the United States with our own Department of Justice.
2: Isn't it interesting? I mean, I remember growing up; we're all about the same age, you know, kind of contemporaries, and we remember what it's like to see a terrorist attack in the Middle East, and then there was some party that would quote-unquote claim responsibility for what was going on. Well, now the the organization claiming responsibility is the Justice Department. I mean, it's the Attorney General yeah. of the United States leading this raids. I mean, it's not some guy, some mullah off somewhere who's ch- trying to do this for religious reasons. And yet, it's so interesting, Bob, when you, when you present the information just the way you did: one hundred attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers, one attack outside of a Planned Parenthood where he may or may not have been trying to do something. And so, which one gets all the attacks? But this is the way the left thinks. Remember Elizabeth Warren after Roe versus Wade was overturned. And she said, we have to close down all these right. unlicensed pregnancy centers because they're, they're doing harm because they're not licensed. And I thought, well, wait a minute. OK, so somehow Planned Parenthood is able to get licensed as a federally qualified health care center, I mean, w- uh, along with the other community centers that actually do provide health care. And somehow Planned Parenthood's in there. They qualify for federal funding, et cetera, et cetera. So because they're licensed. That makes the murder of the preborn child in the womb okay I mean it's a, it's mind boggling this is what we're up against in this election not only in terms of the way we vote but in terms of the dialogue that's being held and and you know what's going to happen i mean you, you've you've seen what happens every day in the White House press briefings I mean the left media spin has gotten so out of control I think even they don't realize that they're doing it now i mean it's just it's it's tragic it's pathetic, but it really is kind of a call to arms for us you know to say, hey look I mean to John's point about the stalemate, absolutely stalemate for the next two years. Put Mm -hmm. forth the best bills. Don't just do that John Boehner we're voting again to repeal Obamacare. I mean, everybody knew that was a political stunt, and (laughs) his heart wasn't in it at all. But, I mean, put forth the best bills and force the hand of the Democrats so that those on that side who who say, well, Biden's better than Trump, can watch and see the things that he is, in fact, having to veto, that you'll at least get those things passed and out of Congress so they'll be put on his desk and For everyone to see, it's kind of laying the groundwork for 2024.
1: That it is. And listen, we want to remind you, folks, as we continue to talk about this, we're going to continue. If you donated earlier to Preborn, we thank you for that. But if you did not, uh, please consider doing that now, okay? Uh, $280 stops 10 abortions, plain and simple, by donating to Preborn, who partners with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country. Remember, these pro-life pregnancy centers we're talking about, they're being firebombed folks. We need to be supporting them. And the best way to do it is donating $280 right now to Preborn, who partners with them to show ultrasound images to those expectant moms of their babies. The moms choose life, the babies live, and $280 saves, on average, 10 babies' lives. So would you prayerfully consider doing that right now? All you got to do is go online to crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the Preborn tab. CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the Preborn tab, and you can donate right there online. And one hundred percent, one hundred percent of your donation goes to funding ultrasounds—nothing for overhead. So, would you prayerfully consider doing this? But listen, I do also want to ask: if you are a business owner, or maybe God has blessed you and your family financially, we need some of you out there to buy ultrasound machines. They're fifteen thousand dollars a piece. Now, it's all a tax write-off for you, and your legacy would be you're responsible for saving thousands of babies' lives. One ultrasound machine is $15,000. If there's somebody out there listening to us right now that would donate $15,000 for a nice tax write-off this year and be responsible for saving thousands of babies' lives, same place. Just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab. Uh, For the rest of you, $280 for 10 babies' lives. You can also call 833-850-BABY and donate right over the phone. And they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Talking about the midterms and what do the Republicans do if they do get control of the House and or Senate? Uh, I believe that they need to be holding congressional investigation hearings and, get, and really holding the Department of Justice accountable for this. Neil Boron, I want to get your take. Neil Boron live, Buffalo, New York. Uh, you know, I gave these examples before about Mar-a-Lago versus Obama's classified documents. Matt Halk, the uh, sidewalk counselor, okay, that uh, has his home raided. The over 100 pro-life centers and churches attacked. Uh, this is the same Department of Justice that says that that gets a letter from the National School Board Association saying we're tired of these complaining parents coming to the school boards complaining about critical race theory and transgender confusion and all that kind of stuff so we want you to investigate them as domestic terrorists And Merrick Garland says, sure, sounds good, and uses the term domestic terrorist and launches FBI investigations into parents merely showing up at school board meetings in a nonviolent way to complain about this kind of stuff. Uh, Neil, what do you think? Is Is it just revenge or is it a legitimate investigation to hold the Department of Justice accountable for what they've been doing in the Biden administration?
3: It's 100%. Correct that we need to be looking at this stuff and and exposing actually what 's been going on and draw to the attention of the American people what 's happening, whether or not they are paying attention. I mean in some cases, obviously this stuff is is televised or at least covered in the mainstream media, so people have some understanding of what 's going on but the But the American public have been led to believe because of the mainstream media and big tech that this is normal behavior that that these are people who are standing up against what is widely and commonly um held that you know that that these ideals uh, cannot be shaken that they cannot be opposed but i mean we live in a country where where you know the idea of of uh, d- debate was heralded at one point there was a i was trying to think of the name there's a there was a center here at the university of buffalo called the center for free inquiry dr paul kurtz was the director of it he was a renowned atheist but you know his whole take was that you know the idea of asking questions um standing up against the status quo was like what was embraced by the left at one time. On the contrary today, if you try to challenge anything that people in the progressive left are saying, then the government jackboots are going to show up at your house and throw you in prison for 20 years or more. I mean, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, uh, that may sound like an overstatement to some, like, oh, we're just blowing this out of proportion. But, Bob, you've accurately outlined some of the key cases that really matter here that, that actually point to what the our federal government, our Justice Department is doing. And so we not only need investigations, we need to televise them. <laughs> and, That's uh, right. We need to draw this stuff to the attention of the American people and let them know just exactly what's going on under the Biden administration. It's That's right. You know unconscionable. what? unconscionable. And-
1: you're absolutely right, and you know, and we're coming up on the bottom of the hour. But to, to the point that you're making there, Neil, I know we have people listening to us right now, listen to this podcast, that you have liberal Democrat voting friends and family and coworkers, and when you say this stuff to them, they're probably you know dismissing you, rolling their eyes, going, Psh, "You're just drinking the Fox News Kool Aid," you know, or whatever. Okay, ask them some very honest and simple questions. Ask them. Do you believe that it is true or not true that Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago was raided by 30 to 40 FBI agents armed okay is that tr- did that really happen or did that not happen okay and then when they say well yeah but that's because of documents then you say is it true or not true that the Obama Foundation's website has a letter in there acknowledging that Barack Obama still to this day, five and a half years later, is holding on to classified documents that he has refused to turn over that the National Archives say that they're entitled to. Okay, is that true or is that not true? Because if it's not true, you're calling the Obama Foundation liars. All right? is it true or is it not true that this Planned Parenthood uh, escort was uh, getting in the face of that 12-year-old boy and that the pro-lifer had 25 armed FBI agents storm his home in a pre-dawn raid with his kids screaming and crying with guns pointed at his head. Did that actually happen? Or do you think that that's a made-up story? Okay, you tell me. Uh, is, is it true or is it not true that over 100 pro-life centers and churches have been attacked? and not, And is it true or not true that not one arrest has been made? Is it true or not true that only one Planned Parenthood clinic had a fire set outside of it and arrest was made in four days and that person's facing 30 years? Is it true or not true that the Department of Justice labeled complaining parents at school board meetings, quote, domestic terrorists? Are the facts that I'm presenting you true or not true? You can accuse me of drinking the Kool-Aid all night long. Are these facts true or not true? So, yeah. folks, sometimes and, and you have addition, to just ask them straight forward. And we got about, yeah, 30 seconds of the break, but go ahead, Neil. Well,
3: even less than that. But in, in addition, is it true or not true that the U.S. Constitution 14th Amendment guarantees equal protection under the law? Right. Very I mean, right. Whatever happened to that?
1: You're absolutely right. we got a lot more to unpack in the sef- second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. You can listen to this podcast, obviously, on your own radio station. If uh, if you don't hear the second half on your radio station, go to uh, the website for your radio station. Look at the program guide and see because sometimes the second half they'll play at a different time. So check that out. Or you can listen online at crawfordmediagroup.net or Apple Podcast Stitcher, TuneIn or more. And you can watch video of this podcast at My Hope Now. Dot com, second half of the National Crawford Roundtable coming up next.
0: This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Production.
1: Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with myself, Bob Duco. Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. With John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. With Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. Neil Boron. Neil Boron Live. Buffalo, New York. We're talking about the midterms, the significance of them, what the Republicans should do if they get control. Should they investigate the Department of Justice? I think we're all in agreement. Yes, they need to. There are other issues that we could talk about what they could and should do should they investigate hunter biden corruption election fraud in 2020 Uh, we'll discuss that maybe in a future podcast leading up to the midterms but uh, there are some other things regarding the midterms that i want to throw out on the table and get you guys take on a lot of buzz about what's going on in georgia right now the georgia senate race between former football great herschel walker and Raphael warnock now, we've seen all the news reports, of course, about Herschel Walker and his uh, former, I think his girlfriend, who says that he paid her to have an abortion back in, I think, believe it was 2009. Now, he's denying this. He says this is an absolute lie. Uh, is it true? Is it not true? You know, I don't know. He says it's not true. And to me, presumption of innocence I would argue, even if it is true, and that's sickening and disgusting, but even if it is true, Herschel Walker is a brother in Christ. If this is something that he repented the Lord for and he was wrong and it was a sin, uh, we either believe in forgiveness or we don't. And that's if it's actually really true, and he vehemently denies that this is true in the first place. However... Uh, you 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 look at how the media is about this, and they're obsessed about the Herschel Walker thing trying to stop him from unseating Raphael Warnock. Who, let's face it, Raphael Warnock is about as radical extremist as it gets. Not to mention the fact he's he's been investigated. Yeah, he's been investigated for illegal use of campaign funds for his own personal use, running over his wife's foot with his car after an argument, refusing to pay court ordered child care costs for his children. And where's John Rush? Where's the media interest in any of that kind of stuff? Not to mention this the, the fact that this guy is a quote unquote Pastor who supports abortion through all nine months of pregnancy right. for any reason whatsoever, including birth control, uh, and and this is a close race that Herschel Walker might not win.
4: Uh, let's hope that he does. And again, these are the, these are those skeletons in the closet that they go after and dig out. And again, whether I'm with you, Bob, whether this is a true uh, event that happened in Herschel's life or not. Again, this was what 13 plus years ago, um, I, guys. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's not good if he did do that, because I'm sure that if he in fact did, uh, there's uh, grief, there's all sorts of things that, that goes on, even in a man's mind, when those things happen. I mean, we've, we've, those are this is a podcast in and of itself, the repercussions of abortions, which nobody really ever talks about on the other side, of course, and uh, <laughs> that's, again, that's something we can get into at a later date. But the reality is, even if he did do that, to your point, Bob, uh, he, he can ask forgiveness— He can move on. We all have things in our past that we're not proud of, and if we were all judged on the things that we've done prior, none of us would ever be able to run for office. That includes the Democrat side, but it's interesting, Bob. This is the only thing on Herschel's side they're dragging up, but you mentioned numerous things on the other side that are there that are factual that continue to come out. Not only that, but when he was mayor of the one town that he was mayor of, uh, you know, he, he threatened business owners. He did all sorts of things there that were, you know, frankly, borderline thuggery, if you would. I mean, the guy Again, I'll say it. The guy's a thug. How anybody would vote for that guy is beyond me.
1: Yeah, and somebody who calls himself a pastor on top of it. Which, by the way, uh, Neil Neil Boron, you're a pastor, okay, as is Roger. But uh, you're a pastor, and and it just blows my mind that Raphael Warnock can even hold on to the positions that he does. But regarding Herschel Walker, look, if he says this is not true— then I think he deserves the same presumption of innocence that a mob boss would get in a courtroom. Uh, But even if it turns out that it was true, I I don't think that means that Christians in Georgia can't vote for Herschel Walker because we do believe in a Jesus who offers us grace and forgiveness for sins. And if he did that, then that was a sin and he needs to repent before the Lord. But my goodness, that doesn't disqualify him for the Christian vote, in my opinion. And that's actually, if it was really true, which it probably is not.
3: Yeah, the one catch that I'm having a hard time with about the whole thing, uh, because obviously I believe in forgiveness and the grace of God, I wouldn't be here without it. Uh, None of us would. So let's just underscore that reality. Sure, Uh, We're not casting stones here. We're just looking at the merits and where we stand on the issues and those kinds of things. And I'm with you that Raphael Warnock uh, needs to be unseated in Georgia. Uh, he's he's a danger on the issue of uh, Herschel Walker. I mean, here's a guy who's he's a black conservative media is automatically against him. You know, right. he, he, there's, there's no chance that he's even going to be paid attention to by anybody in the mainstream media. So there's that. But, I mean, it's not just that they're disregarding what he has to say. They're attacking him. But here's the catch. This is where I have a problem because we keep saying, even if it was true. Well, if it was true, then he's lying about it because he's saying it never happened. And I don't think as a believer... That's the right way to go. I mean, I think you're getting yourself in worse trouble it never makes sense to lie. Um, And then, of course, if you were elected on that premise, then you're elected under false pretenses. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I'm really honestly troubled by his son. I don't know if you've seen it. He claims to be a conservative sort of a TikTok influencer, you know, who's hurling insults at his father. Um, And the claim is that, you know, Herschel Walker has four kids from four different moms, doesn't pay attention to any of them. He was never a family man. He's not pro-family. Those are some, you know, heavy accusations. But on the other hand, I see a humble and repentant individual who seems to be... Uh, weathering the storm extremely well and denies vehemently that he ever paid anybody to have an abortion. I want to accept his word as truth right now and give him the benefit. And I say that it's important that the people of Georgia not prejudge him based on what the mainstream media is saying, but get before the Lord and ask the question, is this the guy we need to vote for in Georgia? And I hope he wins.
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I sure do too. And I want to get you in on this uh, in just a moment, Roger. And let me just say, uh, even to the point, Neil, that you're making, if he did, in fact, pay for that abortion and he's lying about it, okay, that's wrong. That's that's something that he needs to uh, handle before God. But as Christians, are we going to say, well, then we shouldn't vote for somebody who's going to govern in a pro-life way, in a, a pro-Christian way, in a biblical way, and everything else. Because that person is a sinner, and that person committed a sin that they don't want to admit. All right, I mean, well, that, that's not going to stop me from voting for somebody anyway. That's something that's between them and God. But I'm not going to say, "Well, then let's have let's have uh, six more years of Raphael Warnock." You know, because after all, I, uh, Herschel Walker's a sinner who doesn't want to admit. Not voting for
4: clergy, it. guys. We're not voting for clergy. Yeah, right. you're
3: right. You're right. Uh, however, let's be honest. Let's be real. Let's keep it real. That if if this if it was Warnock that was being exposed for having four different children from four different women, et cetera, we'd be all over it. We'd be using it as ammunition against
1: I, I, him. Not to no, I would not be using that as ammunition to vote against him. I would be using that as uh, as, as am, what I would be using as ammunition is his actual uh, record, his actual policies, what it is that he supports. Uh, I would, I do well, not, and I have never yeah. agreed with taking somebody's personal sins in their own personal life or the dysfunction of their family or anything else. And saying that's reason not to vote for this person for political office. Well, it's always about Bob, you their know that that policies. was the
3: tactic that was the tactic against Bill Clinton in 1992.
1: Not by me, it wasn't. Not okay. by me, it okay. wasn't. Okay. Well, you listen sure. to my show at the time. I'm like, hey, look, th- this is wrong, inappropriate behavior, and certainly doing things like that in the Oval Office. Okay, uh, yeah. it, it, it besmirches the office of the presidency. Look, okay, look. I get that, but his personal sins, uh, his personal sins are far 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 outweighed by the policies that he would enact that's why we elect a president not a pastor as John said
3: yeah, well I agree 100 percent and I mean one of the one of the nuances of being an evangelical Christian is that sometimes we fixate on this kind of thing and we forget that if if a total non-believer, who was a conservative, was running. We wouldn't be asking any of these questions at all, really. It wouldn't be an issue. But the fact that he claims to be a believer all of a sudden puts him in a different camp and he begins to be looked at differently. Because the reality is, any non-believer that we support or vote for, and I'm sure the vast majority of people running in the midterm elections are non-believers, the Bible says they're enemies of God. So in a sense, any Christian who supports a conservative is voting for an enemy of God. So it's a point well taken. I'm agreeing with you on this point, John and Bob, that... We need to be looking at issues and policies and what the ramifications of voting for the wrong candidate are going to be down the road and do the best we can to do the right thing. But this is an imperfect world. And all of us are sinners, uh, non-believers and believers alike. Thank God that the believers have the covering of the grace of God and his unconditional love and forgiveness because of what Christ accomplished for us. But man, this is messy business. It's messy.
1: You know what? Uh, Jimmy Carter... Has been a very outspoken, professed Christian and uh, a Bible a Sunday school teacher and all that kind of stuff. I did not vote for Jimmy Carter. I never would. But I did vote for Donald Trump. I voted for him twice. And Donald Trump basically has more skeletons in his closet than every cemetery. In Michigan, put together, okay. But I voted for him because of his policies. Because I was voting for a president, not a Sunday school teacher. Even though, quite frankly, I think Jimmy Carter's policies that he supported violate anything that uh, he would be teaching theoretically in Sunday school. So it's about the policies that they stand for, not their personal sins. And and to me, that's what makes the difference. That's how I look at it with Herschel Walker too. But uh, let's do this. We got a lot more to unpack about this because we want to get uh, Roger and. Uh, John in on this as well, kind of the the Georgia Senate race, and then maybe we 'll talk a little bit about Pennsylvania as well. I do want to ask everybody again, please donate to preborn and stop these abortions, but it takes money to do it folks remember twenty eight dollars is the average cost to save one baby 's life through preborn. $280 saves 10 babies' lives. We're asking everybody listening right now, if you donated your 280 that's great. If you did not, please consider doing it now. You can go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn tab. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn. Or you can call, donate over the phone, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It's 833-850-BABY. Just if you call, mention that you heard this on National Crawford Roundtable. Uh, if you would okay but uh, let's save some babies lives uh, through preborn they've been doing this a long time and it's really important work Roger I want to get your take on this you're also a pastor and your thoughts on the the uh, Herschel Walker thing and you know as I say if if he really is uh, guilty of paying for this abortion if he's gone before the lord and repented of this but he politically Uh, is denying it and he's lying about this. Okay, that's wrong. Nobody's denying that that's wrong. But that's the worst case scenario, the absolute worst case scenario, which is most likely not even the case. He says he didn't even do it. But even if the worst case scenario is there and this is a sin that he's dealing with before God, he doesn't want to admit something like this publicly, but we'll say that he has privately before God Even in that worst-case scenario, I don't think that's a reason for Christians in Georgia to say, well, then we're better off with six more years of ungodly Raphael Warnock.
2: You know, the choices are tough in elections, and I, I often like to say we get to vote our conscience in the primaries, and we have to vote against the evil in the general elections. And this is one of those cases where, I mean, here are the choices. Raphael Warnock, Marshall Walker. You know, and we're we're having a, a really—I don't want to say nuanced, but a pretty in-depth debate about the Christian character aspect of this, especially for someone who's professing faith in Christ. And if there is a an issue of integrity and lying and things like that, I mean, the worst that he's going to have to deal with is not necessarily the electorate; it's going to be you know God on Judgment Day. So ultimately, that's a, a cause for concern for us for Frank. But you know, I mean, I get I get the sense in the political world, and I don't want to oversimplify this. Uh, it, i don't want to gloss over you know any of these you know potential moral issues that are that are really driving us nuts but all of us grew up at a time where we would look at people and assume that there would be the decent and the best and the brightest would kind of find their way to the top and now we're beginning to realize that the political landscape uh, doesn't work that way anymore i mean you get there isn't the good candidate and the bad candidate everybody stinks and it's kind of like a time that a couple of summers ago lisa and i went to visit our son in san antonio we flew out from california we landed late we were hungry nothing was open We were starving and so – well, we weren't starving. I mean, we were very hungry. And so we stopped and had McDonald's. And we both had the Big Mac value meal. And it, you know, probably the worst thing you could possibly do for your body. It tasted so good and it filled our guts. You know, and in that moment, we still laugh every time we drive past McDonald's and go, hey, want a Big Mac? You know, but realizing that Mm -hmm. in that moment, the choice was have that burger or not have anything and we chose the burger. And I think that when it comes to elections now, we're kind of in that situation. I mean, you look at Herschel Walker on his worst day, Raphael Warnock on his best day. Who are you going to pick? You know, well, I mean, Herschel in terms Walker. of, you know, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a it, it's a really a no brainer. I mean, and, and yeah, we can we can debate the nuances of lying and abortions and, you know, not being a lousy father, this, that and the other thing. But if we start put, putting the personal traits in front of the political traits, we're not, as John noted, and I think we've all at one point or another said, we're not electing pastors, we're electing politicians. And so it's it's frustrating for us as Christians to look and say, these are the choices, but you know what? These are the choices, you know, when you get right down to it. And what breaks my heart even more are the number of people who would look at this type of situation and say, well, I can't vote for either one of them and then sit out. I had Jason Yates from My Faith Votes on a couple weeks ago. We're still at 25 billion Christians who won't vote this year. I mean... And I realize that uh, the one hand is, well, do I stand before God and say I voted for Herschel Walker who paid for abortion and this, that, and the other thing, or do I say hands are clean because I didn't pick anybody? I don't know that hands clean, I didn't pick anybody is an option for us as Christians. I really honestly do believe that rendering to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, rendering to God the things that are God's means, hey, if you're a Christian and you have the ability to vote, you're registered and you're legal and you can do this, then we have a moral obligation to vote. And yeah, it means we're going to have to pick between lousy candidates sometimes. Or maybe all the time. That's, mm. the, that's it. We just have to pick the one that's not quite as lousy. And in this case, I think the, between a guy who professes to be a pastor who's in the pulpit and advocates the murder of freeborn children, among other things that don't line up with biblical values, you can right. call yourself pastor until you're blue in the face. I mean, God's not interested in your title so much as he is in the way you carry yourself in your steps.
1: Right, absolutely. Uh, John, maybe one final thought from you on the the Georgia race between uh, Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. And I I guess it just keeps coming back to me to what you said earlier, that we are electing – a senator, not a pastor. And that makes a difference because if we're sitting on an elder board and we're trying to decide do we want to hire Herschel Walker as our next pastor, well, then these are important things to discuss because we're talking about somebody who's going to be in spiritual authority and and so we we get that. Totally different. But we're talking about this is the person that I'm going to hire to uh, basically vote on bills and laws and things like that. That's Uh, That's between... Him and God. And honestly, I have that same attitude when it's a Democrat. I really do. I
4: do too. And I think Christians need to get out of this whole idea that, I hate to say it this way, but quit spiritualizing it. That's not what this is about. Yes, everything is spiritual in, in, in base, and I understand that, and we've got to live our lives that way. But when you start talking about politics and the way that our country is set up, these People work for us. They are our employees. That includes the President of the United States himself. We, the people, control this country with our vote and who represents us. And Christians have got to get out of this idea that I'm somehow voting for a pastor and his character has to be perfect without blemish or I can't vote for the guy. No. Do you do that when you hire an employee? If you're a manager, if you're the owner of a company and you're Christian, would you not hire Herschel Walker because he might have paid for an abortion? years and years ago. Of course not. You would still hire the guy if he fits the job and he's going to do better than the next guy will do, which in this case, he will. So it's an easy decision.
1: All right, let's do this. We're going to uh, kind of wind down our discussion on the midterms uh, coming up next. I do want to, one more time, make an appeal to you folks to donate to preborn if you haven't done that already. Okay, remember, $280 saves 10 babies' lives. It's really that simple, folks. Uh, that's the cost of saving these babies' lives and stopping abortions. And you can do this simply by going online to crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the preborn tab. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab, you can donate right there. 100% of your donation goes right to funding ultrasounds for these moms to see the images of their babies, and they choose life 80% of the time when they do that. Every penny of your donation goes to that. Not one dime goes to overhead or anything else. So this is Preborn. They've been doing this a long time. They partner with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country, which are under attack in this country, and the attackers are not being held accountable. So we need to stand up for these clinics. We need to stand up for the unborn, and this is a great way to do it. So net. donate online if you would. And if you want to donate over the phone, you can call right now, 833-850-BABY. The phones are manned 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just mention you heard it on National Crawford Roundtable, okay, 833-850-BABY. Uh, we're talking about the midterm elections. Now, next week and over the course of the next couple of weeks, there's a lot of different aspects of the midterms that I know we're going to be discussing. Like, for example, we'll get into over the next couple of podcasts, we'll get into some of the key races and elections and proposals that we're watching in our various states, uh, like my state of Michigan, in the states of New York, Colorado, California. And such, so we'll be talking about those uh, and a lot of other things connected to the midterms. Right now, though, we're just watching some of the uh, the races that are, are being watched by the media and a lot of people around the country. The Pennsylvania race. I mean, John, what is your take on this? I mean, Mehmet Oz, who, as you know, was endorsed by Donald Trump, and a lot of conservatives are like, oh, come on, really? You're putting your weight behind Oz. But Trump, I think, calculated, hey, Oz has the best chance of winning. And I look I don't it's gonna sound terrible. As a Christian, I would encourage everybody to be praying for John Fetterman and his health, of course. I the last thing I want to do is mock somebody right. or that that's had a stroke and is struggling to speak and, and cognitive awareness issues and such. But my goodness, that a a Republican pet rock ought to be able to beat a man like John Fetterman, who is clearly not physically capable of doing the job of uh, of senator in that state. Yet, here's where we are. Mehmet Oz is struggling in that race. Some yep. polls show him down. It's like, my goodness, what's going Six on points. in Pennsylvania?
4: Yep. Six percentage lead that uh, Fetterman has. And, and again, I... I um Not that I always agree with what Mitch McConnell does, and he didn't say it in in the way that he should have. He probably never should have said it even if he was thinking it. I think it. I can say it because I'm not... I'm not him. We have to run better candidates if we're going to win some of these key races. I will agree with Mitch McConnell with what he said. He shouldn't have said it. Not his position that he that he's in. Can he say those things, even if he thinks them? But I will agree with him. We've got to do a better job. I talk about it on my show all the time, of running better candidates. We, we wouldn't have some of the discussions, guys, even that we're having right now if we ran better candidates. Does that mean that Oz isn't a great candidate? No. Not in my opinion. I think we could have done better as far as that goes. That's why he's down six points because, frankly, to your point, Bob, anybody's should be able to beat Fetterman.
1: You would think. But, uh, Roger, let me ask you, this goes to part of what we were talking about before. Where are the good candidates? Well, think about it. If you're a pretty clean person who, you know, the worst skeletons you have in your closet is maybe the skeleton of a dead mouse, so it's not that bad, and you're a person of integrity and honesty and everything else, and then you look at the cesspool of politics, and you realize, I've got a dishonest media and a dishonest social media that's going to be coming after me with everything that they have. They're going to be hiring investigators to uh, go and harass my friends and family, and if they can get somebody to even lie about me, I'll be smeared about that. You know, Roger, I can see a lot of good, decent people out there going, you know, something the best way. I, I'm not going to put myself and my family through all of that. Just forget it. Uh, whereas the people that are already, you know, in the in the pig pen of life are like, well, hey, you know what? I got nothing to lose. I'll dive into it. So, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's almost like the system is geared to keep good, high-integrity people Out of the cesspool of politics, and then we wonder why we don't have better candidates in this. I mean, I I just—I don't know what the answer is, but I agree with John. We got to do a better job of getting better candidates. There's got to be people better than Mehmet Oz, but why can't we get them?
2: Well, because for every Memet Oz, there's a Carrie Lake. I mean, I think when you get right down to yeah. it, there's a personality, okay. there's a certain measure of celebrity, and, you know, Dr. Oz is Dr. Oz, but Carrie's doing a fantastic job. And let's yeah. face it, a year ago, she was one of us. I mean, not well, news anchor on television network, but mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that she's got that political bent and she's very well articulate, presents well, and is just doing great things in Arizona right now. So, I mean, I, they're out there. I mean, I guess that's the, let's not be discouraged. The candidates are out there. But to John's point, we have to do a much better job as voters of vetting. I remember years ago taking a music appreciation class in college, which was kind of a no-brainer for me because my dad's a music educator and I was looking <laughs> for an easy A. But I remember the first day the guy who was instructing us said, I'm not here to show you a whole world of this, that, and the other thing and you know, kind of broaden your horizons. I'm teaching you how to be a good audience you know, to learn what to appreciate when you go to a concert, when you go to a play, when you go to whatever, because if the audience doesn't get it, then it doesn't matter who's doing what on stage. And so there's, but there's a responsibility that the audience has, not just, you know, with the lights out, it's less dangerous. Here we are now entertain us. I mean, that, which is kind of the mantra of the day. It's rather, uh, uh, you know, uh, we have to bring something to the table too. So I'm, I'm grateful that you know, I say this every week. <laughs> we have t- this opportunity here on the podcast, to dissect these issues and hopefully help our listeners and our viewers uh, really pay closer attention to the issues that really matter to dig deeper. But this also means, too, that now we can hold our politicians who are running more accountable and say, hey, wait a minute, we expect more from you than just a celebrity name or someone told me this guy's a Christian or this woman was a pastor or something like that. And so therefore, we should be supporting you, you know, just lock, stock and barrel. Let's have the hard conversations about the the Herschel Walkers or the Dr. Oz's of this world.
1: Let's, uh, Neil, let me ask you as we kind of wind this down. We only have 60 seconds left, but in those 60 seconds, how do you answer that question? How do we get the good, decent candidates? Because it just, you know, John is right. We should be able to do better than this, but I'm having a hard time seeing why anybody would want to subject themselves and their family and their friends to the kind of smear and slash and burn campaign that they're going to be taken through.
3: Yeah, Bob, I— I don't know the answer to that question. Uh And for all of the reasons that you outlined, I mean, this is, it's dangerous territory. You're jumping into a, you know, pond full of alligators. If you're going to decide to run for anything, your life is going to be scrutinized. You're going to be unfairly accused and so forth. And I think prayer honestly is one key, just ask that God would raise up leaders who are willing to take it, who have thick skin, who can hang in there and stand for truth and righteousness and represent godly values. Uh, and in some cases, whether or not they know the Lord, sometimes you just have moral people. And my prayer would be, obviously, that all would come to a saving knowledge of God. But, um, you know, I, on the other hand, I, I'm not sure Dr. Oz isn't going to do well in the election. And the reason I say that is we've kind of had a fascination with electing celebrities. You had Governor Schwarzenegger over there in the People's Republic. Uh, I remember Jesse the Body Ventura in, in Minnesota, mm-hmm. Donald Trump, of course. Um It was a television celebrity. So I don't know, maybe he'll do well. But I think honestly that the American people need to remember that what's most important is that we elect people of character and that we raise up candidates who are solid and who have actual values and they're not just going to be swayed by the possibility of winning an election and grabbing onto certain ideals simply because they think it's going to be expedient and help them get elected, but people of real conviction who will stand up for what's right. And I, I think only prayer is going to turn that around, honestly. All right.
1: Well, uh, there's, like I say, a lot more to unpack over the course of the next few weeks as we lead into these midterm elections. Next week, uh, we'll probably do a deep dive into some of the key races that we're watching in our four Respective states, uh, my state of Michigan, John State of Colorado, Roger State of California or, or North Korea, or what Soviet Union, or whatever you want to call it, neil boron state, certainly of new york so and, and a lot more to unpack as we uh, as we talk about the critical nature of these midterm elections. We appreciate all of you folks listening. We do again, you can listen to previous episodes by going to crawfordmediagroup dot net or Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen. We love the five-star reviews that we get from you folks. We appreciate that. Let everybody else know. Let all your friends know about the podcast. We we welcome more and more people listening to it. You can watch video of this podcast at myhopenow.com. And John Rush, Rush to Reason, Roger Marsh, The Bottom Line, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live, myself, Bob Duco. Guys, great catching up with you. Looking forward to next week.
3: You too. Thanks, Bob. Thanks.
1: You bet. We'll see you. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless.
0: You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need, 80% of the time she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to save babies now. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station, or at crawfordmediagroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at myhopenow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app. And look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.